Happy Sabbath. Welcome God's wonderful people, for that is what we are. We are his remnant, we are his people, we are his children, and we are his heirs. Before we begin today, I would like to have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we are here to give you glory, honor, and praise. We are here to worship you as you have asked us to, as our life giver and as our Savior who has given us all that we need, all that we can ask or think, and everlasting life. All these things I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As believers, I'm sure that all of us have received and we've taken notice that God's gifts are free. They are gifts of his grace. You know, God's grace is something we could never earn, nothing that we could ever pay for, nothing that we could ever merit. And yet God gives these to us all the time. God in his infinite love and mercy made Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Through faith in Jesus, the heart is filled by his spirit. Through the same faith, which is a gift of God's grace. For those who need faith, God is willing to come in to your life and give you a faith that is growing. That's what we all need to have is a growing faith. Repentant sinners are justified. They are justified because of God's gift of free, free gift of grace. We are treated, or justification is a vindication. We all know vindication means that anything that you might have done now is swept away and is gone. Acquittal. I like that word acquittal. Justification is an acquittal. Kind of like when somebody's in court and they come down to a final decision and somebody is acquitted. That means that all charges are false. Not guilty. Another word. You are treated as righteous. Not of your own, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, you are set free. First thing we ought to think about is what are we free from? We are free from the power of Satan, the power of sin. We are made pure. And again, we're found not guilty. And I want to thank you, Catherine, for reading the Bible text this morning. 
This is a very good example of justification. And you know, the word justified, it means just as if I never sinned. Justified. I am justified by the blood of the Lamb. We receive a complete pardon. That is so wonderful. A complete pardon. And Jesus would be the only one that could ever have done that for us. I'd like to read a short text found in Romans. It's Paul's writings to the Church of Rome. And it's chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is a good thing. One of the first individuals in the Bible that I think of when it comes to justification is Abraham. We've all studied about the covenant given to Abraham. We know what that is. And in Hebrews 11, 17 and 18, we find the words about Abraham. We know that Abraham was a man of faith. Verse 17 and verse 18. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. You know, that we can't help but think of another time Later, when a father allowed his son to be sacrificed, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. We have the story of Abraham. And in Genesis 15, 6, it says that the faith of Abraham was credited to him as righteousness. He was righteous because of his faith, because he believed God. He believed in that covenant that God had given him. Can you imagine being about 100 years old and your wife being a little bit younger than 100 years old? You have no children, but God comes to you and says, you're going to have a son. And, you know, Abraham couldn't believe it. And I'm not sure, was it Sarah that laughed? 
Oh my goodness. Let's turn to Genesis 22. This is where we find the story of Abraham and it shows his faith. You know, he was willing to do what God told him to do. And he did it because he had faith. If he didn't have faith, he would never, never have done that. He wouldn't have had the strength or the knowledge or wisdom to follow God. Genesis 22, 1 says, first verse, Sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. One of the mountains, I will tell you. And in verse 9, they have arrived at Mount Moriah. Verse 9 says they reached the place that God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I might add that Isaac did it willingly. So Isaac was tested too. He was tested and he was faithful. He wouldn't have done that if he wasn't faithful to God. And then in verse 10, it says he reached out his hand, this is Abraham, and took, he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. I don't know if I could have done that. That would have been very, very hard. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here, here I am, he replied. Verse 12, do not lay a hand on this boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham did not withhold Isaac. God did not withhold Jesus. You see the similarities here? It was a thing that would happen that our Savior would sacrifice himself in all of the centuries that came later. God tested the faith of Abraham. You know, God tests us as well today. One of the ways he might test us is in keeping his, his commandments of love. You know what? The fourth commandment, we all know very well, we need to worship God on the Sabbath day. That's the seventh day. Now my calendar, your calendar, that's the seventh day. As we worship God on that day, we show our faith. And it was faith that prompted us to do that very thing. And so, like Abraham, it's credited as righteousness. We can be righteous with Christ's righteousness. It's not our own righteousness. Not our own. And there's another person in the Bible that I think about. And usually, we don't think much about a woman that lives 
in Jericho. We don't think of her, Rahab. You know, her lifestyle was not according to what God would want her to do. She was known as a, a harlot. And in those days, they did have that as a business. That's the way she made money. Now, Rahab showed her faith by what she did. And she did it. She did it because of her faith. She hid two spies that were sent to spy on Jericho. You see, Joshua was about to overthrow the entire nation, the nation who had this fort that no enemy could ever get into. And everybody knew it. They were afraid. They knew of God's deliverance through the Red Sea. They'd heard about it. And here is Rahab. She is hiding these two spies. And she's asked the spies, what can I do that will save not only you, but me and my family? And they made a deal together. It was kind of like a, a vocal agreement, contract, if you will, that they would, she would provide safety for these two spies to get out of Jericho because everybody there knew that the spies were there and they were afraid of the spies. They were afraid of Joshua and the Israel army. They were afraid. And so the deal was, I will tell everybody that you've been here and now you've taken off. You're gone. And go look for these spies in a certain area. And they were to go to that area and they would catch up and they would get the spies. And when they left to go pick up the spies, they were let down a scarlet rope. And when they got down, they went the opposite way and they stayed there. And before they left, they said, Rahab, you and your family, you stay in your home here in Jericho. You stay here and the armies of Israel, the armies of God will pass you by. Kind of reminds me of when the avenging angel, when they saw the blood on the doorstep or on that doorway over the top and down the sides, the avenging angel did not go to that home and they were saved. They know that is the Passover. You, you ask anybody that is Jewish, they know about the Passover. And so in Jericho, Rahab's family, all of them, they were passed over by Israel's army, the army of God. Now, Rahab is mentioned. Look it up for yourself. Rahab is mentioned in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.31. Rahab is mentioned. Everybody mentioned in that book, they have had the experience of justification. I want to say this too, that every one of you here today, you are here today worshiping God because you've had that same experience Everybody that's given their heart to the Lord, 
everybody here that's been baptized or going to be baptized, but have been tested and they have passed the test of faith. Do you have it or you don't have it? Rahab was justified by her faith. When you look at that chapter, Abraham is there. We just read about Abraham. He's in that uh, chapter. And we have other patriarchs, prophets. Moses is there. Gideon is there. And I'm sure you've heard of these names. They have all received justification. John writes about this in 1 John 1, 9. You can look that up, but it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In a spiritual sense, at that time, Jesus is there. As we come up out of the waters after we died to self, now we're alive in Jesus, he gives us a spiritual robe of righteousness. Or as it says in the version that Catherine read, a raiment, a righteous raiment. It is a robe of righteousness, a robe of righteousness. Zechariah, he was given a vision, and we all heard Catherine read that, and I think that it's one of the best examples of justification. Let's turn in our Bibles to Zechariah chapter 3, and it's the first four verses. We find... Joshua, even though he's a high priest, this is like a story or a vision, and Zechariah is writing about it, and Zechariah tells this like this, Joshua the high priest, he's standing for the angel of the Lord, and Satan is here on his right. He's like the prosecuting attorney. And then you have Jesus on the left. And he's like the, um, he's the one that is defending. He's defending Joshua. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord is rebuking you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Burning stick has to do with, you know, this person here has been living in sin, and now they've decided to live in faith of their uh, God, of the God. And it says here that he's snatched from the fire. He's the one that God has selected. God selects him. While he's still the sinner. Now Joshua, in verse 3, he's dressed in filthy clothing as he stands before the angel. These are symbolic. 
the filthy clothes is means that you are a sinner. And the angel says to those who were standing before him, help him take off his filthy clothing and all his clothes that he's wearing. And then they, he said to Joshua, I've taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. The garments, the robes of righteousness. You know, those are very important that we have the spiritual robes and that we are wearing them. And I believe that people they realize it because you've been with God, you have faith in God, and you do what God, God has asked us to do. This is a fundamental belief of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, justification by faith. And we accept it as one of God's free gifts of grace. Of all the free gifts you can ever receive, justification is the gift that we need most. If you want to read more about the fundamental belief of justification, you read more about it in the book, Seventh-day Adventist Belief. There are 28 and counting fundamental beliefs, and they're all found in the Bible. Everyone. Amen. In the Bible, we read this story of a woman named Mary. Mary is known as, again, like Rahab, a harlot, a prostitute. And we find that in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. So she's taken out into the city square by the officials. Very well could be the Pharisees and all of those who are always following Jesus to find fault with him. And they tell Jesus, we caught this woman in the act. We know she did it. It was right after she did it. And Moses tells us, we need to stone her. We don't do those barbaric things today, do we? You know, that was part of the old Mosaic law. What does the law say today? Thou shalt love one another as I've loved you. Thou shalt not kill. But they were there, and they were demanding that Jesus give an answer. You know, Jesus, he knows what grace is. He's wanting to be gracious. He's wanting to smile his face on Mary Magdalene. And so Jesus, he looks around the crowd and he reads everybody's minds and he says, they've done much worse. He's thinking of it and he's going, you know what? I think I'll tell everybody here. So Jesus, he kneels down and writes in the sand, this person did all these things. That person did all these things. And they were all pretty bad. I would say evil. And as these officials in the city and as these Pharisees came by and read it, they say that they saw their name in the capital letters. You did this, 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 and this. And as everyone read all the sin they did, they left. Everybody left. And Jesus looks around and he says to Mary, Mary, I don't find anybody here accusing you of anything. 
And he says, do you see anybody? Mary says, no, Lord. No, sir, I don't see anybody here accusing me. At that moment, Jesus read the heart of Mary. He read her mind. She was sorrowful. She was sad. She was sorry. She wanted Jesus' forgiveness. And Jesus, in his absolute wonderful grace, forgives Mary. And then he says to Mary, I remember reading these words. I remember seeing them in some a movie, motion picture about Jesus, and he says to Mary, I don't see anybody here to accuse you now, and neither do I. There's nobody here accusing you. He set her free. He says, Mary, go and sin no more. So whatever way he said it, that's what he said. Go and sin no more. Leave this life. You know, Mary Magdalene was known as one of Jesus Christ's most devout followers. She followed him wherever he went. She followed the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. I remember reading about John the Baptist. He's saying, behold the Lamb of God. We know that story too. I love these wonderful stories about Jesus. On that day, Mary Magdalene was acquitted. Mary Magdalene was justified, just as if she had never sinned. And that's the way we are as well, just as if we never have sinned. He set her free. He gave her the fruition of the promise. He's faithful. He's just to forgive you all sins and to cleanse and purify you you know when we are cleansed and we've had all of our sins taken from us do you know there is like an angel a scribe he's writing your name he's writing your name in the book of life don't you want that there every day i do we all ought to want our names written in the book of life. I like that story of Mary Magdalene because it shows God's amazing grace. And we're going to sing that song in just a little bit. I want to tell you a story right now about a man named Angelo. I met him at my former church, and I stopped to shake his hand and do visit with him because he was a visitor and that's what we do with visitors and I said to him how are you doing my name is Craig what's your name he says my name is Angelo he spelled it all out for me and I won't go through the last name it's not that easy but he says to me brother brother Craig I have something I want to tell you and I said I'm here to listen to you and Angelo told me, he says, I just got out of prison. I've been there, and I don't know how long. He was there for a while. Your guess is as good as mine, because I don't remember that part. But he said, I killed, I murdered. Here I'm talking to a man I just met in church. I killed a man. And I said, 
do you know that God can forgive you? And he goes, I know. He said, I took Bible studies from an Adventist minister. And this minister showed him all of God's promises. And one of them had to do with justification. He experienced justification. We should all have that feeling. And we should always have it in our hearts and our minds that Jesus gives us justification. Angelo told me, he just got out, and he says, Brother, I am so sick and sad of what I did. And I continue to listen. And he says, it was my brother I killed. My brother. And he was going to be on a long probation. He got out on probation, probably with good behavior. So here he is, having to answer to the probation officer. And I called him last week. I had him on my mind. And I was thinking, I'm just going to call Angelo. And I called him several times during this last year, during the COVID, to make sure he was all right. And at each time, I had prayer for Angelo. Angela said, Angelo said, I have good news, brother. Call me brother, brother Craig. I no longer am on probation. They let me off probation much, much earlier than I thought. You know how and why that happened? It's because of God's gift of grace for Angelo. What a classic example of what justification is. And so I said, that's wonderful news, Angelo. And I wanted to tell Angelo, I will see you again in the near future, I know. But you have to be where I'm at. And so we arranged that time. And uh, I had a word of prayer with Angelo. And I told Angelo, you know, we just received God's free grace, his gift. And that wonderful gift is grace, but it is grace that gives us everlasting life. John 3.16, John writes about it. And how do we receive everlasting life? Anybody? How do we get everlasting life? And what do we do on our part after, say it louder? We repent, but we have faith. You're never going to ask for it if you don't have faith. Angelo's story is truly an experience of God's grace. He was set free. He was justified. We can be justified daily just as if I never sinned. You know, I invite you to take a look at that word justification. If you get a, a Bible dictionary, look it up, read about it. There's many examples of it. There's Bible texts that the Apostle Paul, I read one of them in Romans, and there's also the words of James, the brother of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting to me that Paul and James they are not butting heads when it comes to salvation by faith versus salvation by works. They are both all in on that. It's just how is it that they write about it and how is it that they feel about it? Well, you know how close John was? He was called the beloved of Christ. He always sat down 
wherever Jesus was, and he laid his head on the breast of Jesus so he could hear Jesus' heart. Wow. Now, Satan was on the other side, the right side, and he was always, actually, I don't mean Satan, but Satan was. It was Judas. And another thing, James. James is the brother of Christ here, writing these words about justification. Lord, my prayer today for all of you is that you remind yourselves with the help of Jesus that you are justified. Today, I'm justified. Today, I give my heart to the Lord. I know that when we do that every day, not just on the Sabbath day, every day. Now, that seems like it's very hard. But if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the strength to do it. And we know that whenever we need him, Jesus is there. Jesus is our attorney, but he's also our judge. And I'm telling you what, I could never choose a better judge than Jesus Christ, who gave us life, and he's going to come back one day again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, this morning, we have received justification all over again. We are justified because of the blood of Jesus, just as if we've never sinned, Lord. We thank you for washing our robes. We thank you for putting on the robes of righteousness. And Lord, we, we ask you to help us seek you daily. Help us to seek you moment by moment so that we will see you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.